people always want to communicate something about themselves. And when you can tap into that, when you're planning a project or thinking of ideas for a project, it's very tempting as an artist to think about yourself and think about what do I want to tell the world? What's important about my life? But you're not creating art for yourself. People always want to communicate something about themselves. And when you can tap into that, when you're planning a project or thinking of ideas for a project, it's very tempting as an artist to think about yourself and think about what do I want to tell the world? What's important about my life? But you're not creating art for yourself. Friday, Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. I hope you guys have enjoyed your week so far. Uh, you guys are in for a treat today. I had an amazing guest come on, share some stories they've never shared before. And overall, amazing opportunity for you guys. So before I get into all of that, make sure that you guys are following all the updates with the podcast and the sponsors via text. So 801-441-3705. Don't text and drive. But when you get a minute, text podcast to 801-441-3705 so that you guys can stay up to date with all the exclusive offers, all the uh, instant updates, and all of it comes right to your phone. So it's absolutely wonderful. With all that being said, um, let me introduce my next guest. Morgan Tanner is an NFT artist and a traditional artist who has converted a lot of her paintings to NFTs. She got into the NFT space Um, and is just absolutely blowing up. It was amazing to talk to her about that opportunity, about how she got into art. Um, She shares some amazing and powerful stories in this podcast that you really won't want to miss. So tune in, make sure that you share it with your friends. Uh, Please leave a rate and review, follow all that good stuff. You know the drill. So without further ado, Morgan Tanner, thank you so much, everybody. Welcome, everybody. This is Don Jensen, and you're tuning into The Thinking Project. All right, Morgan, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Dalton. I'm really excited to be here. Oh, I'm excited to have you on. Hey, before we get into you, though, um, I don't know, you, you're you in Gary V's Discord and everything, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Are you... I, I don't know. There are some people who are and some people aren't. I'm just curious. Are you part of the book NFT launch? Yes. I'm supposed to be getting, <laughs> I think, like uh, maybe nine tokens. I nine, think. nine NFT tokens? Yes. I bought a Whoa. lot of books. You bought a lot of books. Yeah. I, I regret only getting one. I bought, <laughs> I'm getting one. <laughs> oh, well, I, I I'm just like. One. Big time regretted getting only one V friend when I probably could have gotten a couple more. That's so insane. I was like, you know you what? Know, I'm doing it. I'm going in. Same thing for V friends too next year. I'm just doing it. That's good. I think, uh, oh yeah, because when he mentioned in his Discord that one of the big things for this next launch is the is if you have the book NFT or not. Right. So, or or at least he said it gives you like an advantage or something, or I don't know. I watched yeah, the video I, a little bit. I guess it depends on the <laughs> the rules that they've set up within the game and then the the mechanism that you could potentially combine some of the tokens to give you like a better chance to get uh, V-Friends oh, too. It'll be pretty He's cool. Yeah. 
He's going crazy on this one, huh? That's good for him, though. Good for him. Holy cow. Well, I just wanted to mention that because before we had talked, um, I mean, obviously, I know you're a huge NFT artist. Um, I know you're huge into V friends and dis and, and things like that. So I just wanted to to pick your brain on that. But um, again, though, welcome. Uh, we're trying a new format. I talked to you about this. We're gonna try to go long ways and see what happens on that. Um, but Morgan, I know that you're in an NFT space. You talked to me. You're an electrical engineer also, but you kind of gravitated towards the art NFT art collection. Um, but why don't you tell us like what you do right now and everything you got going on? Honestly, my plate right now is so incredibly full, but in a good way. <laughs> yeah. I, I do have a day job as an electrical engineer. I've been practicing that full time for six going on seven years. Next year we'll make seven years. So uh, still doing that gig. And like you mentioned, I've gotten super heavily involved into NFTs for myself to learn yeah. the space, implement. I have my own projects going on actively. Um, my long-term goal is to really help artists and creatives of all types to understand the NFT space and how their skill set could be utilized within Web3. That's that's like my overarching goal. Uh, I've always had, I guess, I guess a skill set <laughs> of being able to explain the deep technical information in a way that anyone can understand, but also in a way that's not threatening or demeaning, you know? Um, mm. So I think that's going to help a lot that I have an electrical engineering background to be able to dig into some of the coding and decipher what's really going on underneath the smart contracts within some of these projects, but also being able to translate that to an audience who could greatly benefit from web three being artists and creatives. So I'm excited. Yeah. Holy cow. There's so much to unpack with NFTs and I've had a few people on. Um, in fact, like probably, Oh gosh, maybe even a year ago I made a, I made a video on, um, NFTs and what that meant for creators specifically to a smart contract kind of, uh, mm -hmm. audience, right. How, how like podcasters, for example, could, could take advantage of NFTs and that NFT space. But so, like I said, and then I love the fact that you kind of, kind of uh, put it in layman's terms in the, you know, for NFTs, right? Because that's also something that I tried to do in the video. And honestly, the NFT space has moved so quickly now I could probably right. delete that and, and update a new one. But I'm curious for you, what are some of the things that you talk with creatives about into getting into the NFT space? The the main thing that I like to start off with is talking about the benefits that they can get long term out of not necessarily 100% transitioning into digital, but mm -hmm. even starting to play in that space. When when you're working in the traditional art world and hoping to get into a gallery so that they can sell your work on behalf of you mm -hmm. or even just art shows where you might get one rotational spot and your work is shown in a gallery for a month. In yeah. most of those situations, like you're, you're looking at a commission fee. You're paying that gallery a 30 to 50% on average commission fee for them to sell your work. Whoa. Wow. All the way up to 50, huh? 
all, all the way up to 50. And Dang, that's crazy. I would I even want to say, depending on where you're at and how, how highbrow uh, the place might be, it can even be greater than 50%. So wow. um, when you look at the fact that it's a one-time sale of your artwork in that gallery, yeah. And the gallery or whatever venue that you might be working with who is helping sell your art for you. Yes, it's a benefit, but having to mark up your work so much to where you can still make a profit after taking 50% out, out of the Mm -hmm. cut, that can be, that can be a little bit tricky. So what's amazing in the world of web three is that most platforms that you're selling on, are not going to charge you that much. It's maybe 10%. Yeah. Yeah. I was, yeah. Maybe 10. Yeah. Maybe 10 for most common marketplaces, uh, mm-hmm. maybe even less than that. Yeah. And then the second benefit is long-term. Anytime that someone resells your work, you get a kickback. Yeah. Which is insane. By that by itself is, is pretty gnarly. When you talk about, building into that smart contract layers and, and because now the law for sale is done. Right. So, you know, I like cars is a good example. Like you buy a brand new car um, and that, and that car could generate, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, but nothing, but they only get whatever profit margin, you know, a dealer only gets whatever profit margin or a maker only gets one profit margin. It gets from the one time it's sold. Right. So that's a really cool thought to think about, you know, just perpetually keeps paying you money. I, that would be a great definition of passive income. I'm not a huge fan yes. of that term, but that would be one definition that's like, okay, yeah, that would be a, a sort of passive income kind of thing, or it's just continually right. sells and makes money. So that's really cool. Yeah, that's, that's usually the, the intro to the conversation that at yeah. least helps people perk their ears up of like, oh yeah, okay. Maybe that does sound yeah. a little bit better than what I'm trying to do right now. Let me listen to let me listen to what <laughs> this actually is next. <laughs> yeah. So how did how did you get into NFTs? I mean, you, you from an electrical engineering background um to to web three. That seems like a leap. It it definitely is a leap and it's it's a completely different animal and it's a completely different language, right? As far as the details go, but yeah, I got, I got into NFTs through Gary. Okay. Is, yeah. Would you, I mean, he, that's the guy if to learn an NFT from, Oh my gosh, that would be the person to learn from. For exactly. Sure. Yeah. And yeah. when, when I discovered Gary, which was maybe only two years ago, I read the majority of his books and would listen to them, you know, like audio books and podcasts and listening to him on YouTube. And that's when I just something clicked. And I was like, okay, this guy is really good at predicting the up and coming technology interfaces with human psychology and behavior. And when I heard him talk about NFTs, I was like, all right, I need to figure this out. I need to get in there too. Yeah, I, I remember hearing about, I heard about NFTs. Um, there's a local company here called Artifact Studios. And they, I don't know if you're familiar with a lot of like the NFT 
a like, um, I, I don't know, like news or whatever, but Artifacts is a Utah-based company. They just sold to Nike. So Nike just bought this crazy big NFT company. And I mean, Artifacts was big. They had the clones. They had the clone stuff. They had the shoes. Um, you pro- yeah. you might have seen some of their their work, but I first heard about them because we were rolling through some of this stuff. And um, I heard from one of my buddies. So we're all in this little podcast community. I hear from one of my buddies, this guy named Chris Lee. He's one of the founders of Artifacts. Um, I'm like, dude, this is, he's like, you got to check this out. Like, they're like, Dalton, you would love this NFT stuff. I'm like, well, I like crypto. I like, and and I kind of heard whiffs of it in in like 2019, but I was like, I don't know how real that's going to be, right? Um, But then we hear this Artifacts, this Chris Lee and his team, and they, they did one, one for one of one shoes, NFT shoes. And if you bought the one of one shoe, you got like a the actual physical shoe with it. And uh, Oh, that's awesome. It was crazy. And it was and like a limited made, edition that matched what yeah, you like one. I think yeah, I think it was just one NFT, one shoe. Okay. And they had a few, they had like a a dozen of them or something. And uh poo, man, those guys crushed it. And then you know, you hear Tory Lanes releases an album and an NFT album, makes like a mil- sells them out, makes like a million off of his albums and in like an hour. And then, and then that was it. That was all she wrote. Like NFTs are to the moon. Then you got Gary V, Tom yep. Bilyeu, uh, And then obviously all the big ones, right? Board Ape Yacht Club, Mutant mm-hmm. Yacht Club. Gosh. Wow. This is I crazy. Know. I just, I just geek out. I'm like, this is insane. These guys are, it's finally like a little guy thing. Like NFTs yeah. are like this little guy thing, you know? Yeah. I mean, that that's what, that's what I think is so cool as far as, the the opportunities that yeah that are available right mm-hmm. sure you i guess all intents and purposes the marketplaces are important to be able to be that interface to help get your work into people's hands without you having to know how to write a smart contract and do a website on your own that's that's right. a benefit right that's like having etsy to be able to sell your products but yeah what what is so amazing for artists that are traditionally relying, and I would say even, um, even musicians as well, music okay. artists. Yeah. Music's when, a big one. Yeah. When you're relying on having some type, some type of an entity to discover you and put you on or to be mm. able to magically meet the right people or schmooze with the right people or yeah. pray that you're from the right yeah. background in order to get, any traction or success, it's just so awesome to be able to authentically make connections with human beings in Web3 and NFTs. And if they like and support your work and they think you're cool, you don't need anybody's approval at all. You just run with it, right? Right. I think it presents a really unique... So I follow another gentleman on Twitter. Um, I think his name's Jay Croft, I think. And he's a photographer in California. And he just sells his pictures as NFTs, right? And I'm like, yeah. that is such a good idea. Nobody can take it. It's your, you know what I mean? It, you perpetually right. make money from that. It's one of one usually, like it's only one picture. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And uh, that's just a really cool idea, right? A, a great way for artists to make a little bit of dough off of what they what they got going on, which I think, um, you know, is 
all you need to justify the NFT space for me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's all, it is amazing. It's awesome. It's like, dang, man. And uh, yeah, it's bananas. But so, so you get into NFTs, you get into this space. Um, how long does it take? I mean, because of Gary Vee, how long does it take you to, with the learning curve to learn uh, where you, what you're going to do and then how you're going to make it and things like that? Uh, I had a, I had about, I had a balance of how much patience do I need versus how much <laughs> do I need to execute while there's a huge opportunity. I had to, I had to balance both of those things at the same time because yeah. on, on the one hand, I understood that I was completely new. I did not know pretty much anybody that was already into NFTs in, in my real life, in my circle of friends or acquaintances, nobody even knew what they were. So right. I, I took a little bit of humility there and said, okay, sure. I've been successful within the traditional art world, but let, let me back up a second and just completely observe and be a collector and learn the ropes of how things work and listen <laughs> to people's roadmaps and their pitches for their projects and yeah, make connections. I, I did that solely for four to five months, just kind of learn the ropes, seeing how things yeah. work, what works, what doesn't work. Yeah. And then I decided that I would open up my first one of one collection. So it's technically my Genesis collection. Okay. Um, and that those have done extremely well. I think that I've only had that collection open for, I don't know, but four to six weeks and almost all of them have sold. I think there are only a few available right now. Oh, wow. So, and are you primarily on OpenSea? Yes, I do have everything on OpenSea. Okay. I have, I have long-term ambitions to do a larger scale project with a custom contract and all that kind of stuff. But uh, baby steps, I'm yeah. learning as I go. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, I mean, that's a great way to start. I mean, OpenSea is a great place. That's where I, I bought all my NFTs. Um, but I've heard like Rarible, you know, I don't, I'm not super bit like I know about NFTs. I believe in the, in what they do. Mm -hmm. I believe in the project. I believe in web three, but I'm just like, man, for me as a creator, I would, I like to see this part of the, I, I, this part of the NFT world. I just like to watch it as well. So like I have a few NFTs, Gary's is coming. Um, and, uh, and then, and then it's just fun. What was your first NFT? What was the first one you ever bought? My very first NFT was my V friend. What? Oh, nice. Oh, Which, man. Yes. That's awesome. <laughs> what about and yours? I remember when V friend, well, I remember when V friends launched and I was like, ah, uh, you know, I wanted to get one to be truth be told at the time. I was like, I don't, I just couldn't afford it at the time. But mm -hmm. I was like, but when he came around the second time with his uh, book one, I was like, no way. I got to figure this out. Because yeah. the V Friends one. So my first one was uh, an, an artist from Oregon. His name is Show Deer. And I bought, I bought a little GIF 101 from him. And that was really cool. cool. And then I had another like little misfit thing. And I just like dabbled in some projects. I like that a lot. But I remember like kicking myself right in the ass because I see V friends and it's the floor for one of like the, the base basic ones was like 
0.5 ETH. So like at the time, not a lot of, not a lot of money. Right. But, but I was like, ah, you know what? I'll just, you know, he, it's for VCon. I probably wasn't going to fly out to the East coast for VCon anyway. So I'm like, all right, I'll pass this one. And then you see them on open sea and some of them are going for almost a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. I was like, talk about a crazy return. You go from like like, big pain. Yeah. Two grand to a hundred K in, he hasn't had V1 open for, it's only been like a a couple months. Right. And we haven't even had the first VCon. Not even the first VCon. Right. Like imagine what they're going to look like after everybody has stories of, Oh my gosh. Like, like I met people at, at VCon and we talked about this, that such another, and now we're going to do this partnership or now we're going to do this thing. Just imagine all the people who are going to make connections at VCon and then tell their story and everybody's gonna be like, Oh my God, I got to go to the next one. Yeah. It's going to be bananas. So this time I was like book NFT. I was like, screw it. Get 12 figure, figure out the rest later. <laughs> I was like, we can't miss this one. Cause like I, you know, and Gary V is, is very much is a pro, you know, or excuse me, he's very cautionary on flipping NFTs as you yeah. should be. Like if you, if you plan to flip NFTs, you're probably not in it for the right reason. But it, just as a justification in my head, it was like, look, even if you, even if you don't go to VCon, even if you get this book NFT and nothing comes of it, right. You have a Gary V NFT that's somebody's going to want to snatch for more than what you bought it for. Oh, at some point. <laughs> absolutely. A hundred percent. All right. Or, or Did just you get any Uno cards? No, I didn't get his Uno cards. I was like, I was looking at him. No, I, I saw him, but I was like, all right. I was like, I just, I want to see, you know what I mean? I'm just like playing, I'm just playing around in it. And uh, I'm definitely more interested in, in the topic than I, am in the playing field for sure. I'm, I'm, I'm a spectator, but with all that being said though, I'm like, you know what? Everybody who plays in there, everybody who participates is making history. And that's, so on my open C account, it says like, I'm just here for the comments and to watch history be made. You know what I'm saying? Because like, yeah, just cool, really cool to see all that go through. Oh yeah. Really and, cool. and like, I, I don't know, even five, 10 years from now, mm. Like when, when most people, when I would say the majority of the people in our circles in real life start needing to use NFTs to conduct everyday normal activities or events, they're going to come to us and be like, Hey, how do I do this? I need help. (laughs) We're going to be the experts in their life. Well, and I think that that is something that's going to be really cool because the reason that I got into NFTs and crypto really hard was even before I knew about NFTs, I know NFTs have been around since about 2018, but I got into crypto because as like a, as like a, a change mechanism, like I was really interested in the disruption that it would cause, Yeah, you know, cause I knew about smart contracts um, a while ago. I knew about DeFi. I knew about crypto and I was like, dude, crypto, that's it. Like this is, has way more people are like, this is money. I'm like, look, this is way more than money. Like this is crypto is, you know, cause I was talking about applications for NFTs outside of just art, which I think is <laughs> all the stuff, you know what I mean? Which I think is a, is a great use case for it, period. You could end there and it would change the world already. But I'm sure. talking about like, I'm talking about like uh, home titles, 
NFT on the NFTs. I'm talking like, I, I think if you, you know, this would never happen because of the powers that at B, the B, but like, could you imagine voting on the blockchain? I have voting? Ooh, I have thought about that a lot. Yes. Okay. I about that. You know what I'm saying? One, I do have one curiosity. I don't know if you've thought about it yet. Well, go ahead. Well, let's talk. Are you cool for a rabbit hole? Okay. Yeah. Um, if if that were to happen, I, I have this question about my own NFTs too, like with my wallet. Um, obviously, yeah. I'm not trying to be like a doomsday or anything, but like what happens sure. when I die? When I have kids and or family members that I want to inherit my assets that I have invested in, like yeah. how does that happen? Yeah, you or would like have voting. to. If you died, yeah. how, did, how did, like, what's the vetting process to make sure you're like, yeah, I don't know, blockchain. Yeah, you know what? I, I'm removed. <laughs> well, what's cool about, <laughs> so to kind of back up to answer your question, what's cool about that NFT space is, you know, like MetaMask. So if you lose your MetaMask password, you're done. That's it. Right. Right. It's over. You, there's no shot of getting it back because there's no security thing. There's no bank thing. It's done. So I think that that is like, help me. <laughs> no, no, no. Mm -mm. And yeah. they, they, I mean, I'm sure you could, but they'll answer it and be like, you're screwed. Click. <laughs> Good. Make another one. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, to protect people's identity. So here's the other interesting part about NFTs. We are just still so young. Like it's 2021, almost 22. NFTs have been around since 2018. So it feels like a long time, but you imagine that like, we're in the Todd, we're in the terrible twos of NFTs right now. You know what I'm saying? And, and uh, yeah. we got a lot to learn. I, I think to answer your first question though, like what happens when you die, you could probably do that in like a will or a trust or something like that. You could probably leave your password around and then be like, okay, here you go. Mm. Um, but, but like, what if you die and how do they, I, I'm right. not sure, but, but okay. But here's what you do then. This is what I would think. You put some kind of birth certificate, death certificate on the blockchain. That is one of the things I was thinking of. Okay. Because this is a, and I'm just going to go down the rabbit hole again. You talk about, yes, yes. Um, let's talk about the unsheltered and the homeless. Okay. One of the big reasons people um, have a hard time getting out of this uh, homelessness, right? So you need three things to get an apartment or a job. You need, normally you need a social security card. You need a pass or like, or a birth certificate or an ID. And you're in this and the, and our government is so inefficient that you're in this feedback loop from hell to get any one of them. Like if you want your birth certificate, you have to have an ID or your social security card that to get your social security card, you need an ID or your birth certificate. And to get an ID, you need your birth certificate and a social security card and a place to live. Right. Yeah. So it's like this crazy feedback loop. But what if we started putting birth certificates on the blockchain and then it's incredibly easy to figure this out. Right. There's no losing it in the system. There's no. Yeah. Um, there's it's easily verifiable. It, right? Yeah. It seems as if there's no falsification. Yeah. You would be. Well, yeah. I mean, you got a one of one. It's your birth certificate. Mm -hmm. Nobody can duplicate it. You You start to. Decrease identity theft right off the bat. Yeah. Um, how, how logistics of that? I don't know. The NFT world is pretty young, but there's just way. So I got into crypto and DeFi and, and, and these things because I was like, dude, this is way more than just art. If that's not a good enough reason for you, I mean, that's there's way more. You can start putting everything on this blockchain. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, it's amazing. I yeah. Was like, I was like, that's why I'm doing. And I believe that Gary V said this in a, in a, uh, at a conference or something. He was like, you know, and he kind of got little, a little doomsday. He was like, if you guys really understood crypto and I'm paraphrasing the quote, but it's like, if you really understood this NFT thing, he's like, this is, this is the stuff that starts world war three. Cause we don't need anybody anymore. We don't need banks. We don't need, we don't need, you know, middlemen. We don't need national banks anymore. We don't need title companies. Yeah. It's me and you. Like we can figure it out and, and you, we can smart contract it. You and me, we don't need anything. Well, we don't need attorneys. Just like, just like I was explaining earlier, how yeah. if an artist wants to put out their work directly to yeah, someone right, who is right. interested in purchasing it, you cut out the middleman. So it's cutting out the right. middleman in all of these different industries and lines of work, obviously. And uh, yes, I could see, I can see how people would be very defensive about that in, well, in and, relation and, to if, if that's their job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and think about it. My thing is, is like, what builds wealth in, in, in any country? Ownership. That's what builds wealth. Like own your home own your cars, mm-hmm. own your material, own your copyrights, like ownership. That's why we're going through a huge thing in the music industry with, um, you know, especially like hip hop, for example, or like Taylor Swift, perfect example. She just released that album where it's like Taylor's version. Uh, yes. And they're all the same songs, right? But when she left that last record label, they said, screw you, we own it. And uh, ownership is scary for the powers that be. That's right. my, that's my thing is mm-hmm. like NFTs allow you to own, like releasing music on the blockchain. You own it. Good luck. Good luck grabbing it, bro. Cause it ain't happening. I, I forget, I forget exactly the name of the talk, but I believe it was a Ted talk that I watched okay. last month. It, it was, it was older. This was probably from okay. five, four to five years ago or so, but I thought okay. it was so interesting because like you said about proof of ownership, they they were explaining how in in some countries that don't have a very solidified system of documenting titles and deeds and mm-hmm. the trans transmission of where ownership goes it's mm-hmm. it's very common that there might be a family who is completely set up with their home and everything on a plot of land with the understanding or the you know handshake that they yeah. that they own it but then someone else comes in and they say, but wait, no, I own this land. And no, no, I own it. Well, who says who owns it? And right. there's like this dispute that happens. And sometimes people get kicked out or off of the property that they believed that they owned or that they may be even potentially paid for, but didn't have proof that yeah, they owned. there was no proof. Um, right. so, so that could be very beneficial to those communities and the people who live yeah. there yeah. To, to be able to substantially prove to anybody. Yes. Like I, I own this asset or I own this. Land. Right. This is mine. Yeah. And that's, and that's so obviously right. Logistically, you got to figure this out and, and it's, he's a really young, like I mentioned before, but yeah, you're talking about huge implications for people. Yeah. To like, I, I mean, like that's like ownership. You're, you're your own person. Right. And, and so obviously you got to work out some, some of the kinks in, in the hose. Um, but man, oh man, that's why I got into NFTs. I was like, all the artists, cool. V- 
Gary's Gary's sick. You know, Tom Billy's legit. Like all these guys are really cool in the space. But but when you but when you can verify voting, like that's what the biggest thing for me. I don't know. Yeah. Look, I can get you know. To, Ten years ago, they were like, "Don't talk to strangers." And today, I can call. I can order a, a ride on my phone and ride with a stranger and know that I'm safe. Relative, yeah, right. The fact that I can order McDonald's at one o'clock in the morning on my phone, and and right after I just get done buying a one point five million dollar home on my phone, right? The fact that I can do all this from my phone, and we can't vote. That is kind of ridiculous, yeah. That is like I don't know. I I don't I don't get political. Like I don't know about all this mail in ballot. I don't care, and I don't really don't care about it. But (laughs) it's 2022. It seems antiquated anyway. Well, yeah, that's to try to force that to work is seems seems very antiquated. It's well, and and no matter what you think, this is my thought process: is like it's 2022, and you're telling me that in order to have my voice being heard in 2022. I have to stand in a line for five hours to write with a pen, pencil and paper. What? That's cra- to yeah. me. That's crazy. To me, that's just bananas. And I versus know. a and quick my- little MetaMask sign. Done. Yeah. Right. And, <laughs> and it's your signature. It's verifiable on the blockchain. Nobody can. Nobody can change it. Right. I, I watched a YouTube video. I did some research once. And I asked the question, like, what would it take to hack the blockchain? And they were like, look, you can do it, but it wouldn't last very long. You know, it might last like five minutes before somebody found it and had to reverse. And and it would be a really quick catch and a really quick fix. And I was like, all right, dude, that's it. That's what you can do. There's no faking it. There's no making up a blockchain because it's impossible, you know, Um, because it's back to the power. It's decentralized. Like it's not. Anyway. I don't know. I just get, I just get kind of my Republican friends hate me for it. My Democrat friends hate me for it. I'm neither to be, to be candid. Um, Cause I just, I, I find, I find both sides, you know, there's gonna, the truth is in the middle, right? I feel like um, everything is gray. Everything in life is gray. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I it mean, it might yeah, be a little bit darker I, gray I or a little bit lighter gray, but it's gray. <laughs> unless, you. unless you die. That's the only thing that's black and white. I am sorry. That's about it, man. Yeah, I'm telling yeah, you. I agree with you. No, and I I totally agree with you. For me, it's like, yeah, and, and uh, yeah, it's bananas. But but um, it's a really cool thought. It's a really cool whole project. And and you know, it's we're really watching history with NFTs because yeah. it just boils down to like people are getting ownership, and that's really new for some people. So you know, you mentioned that you were watching kind of the NFT community for four or five months. Um, what surprised you about the NFT community specifically when you were, when you were watching that, that all go down? The, the biggest thing that struck me as odd were the, the types of roadmaps that I saw. Ooh, tell me more. Yes. It, it was it was very often that I would look at roadmaps and then like step three in the roadmap is that they're giving a Tesla to one of their token owners and they're going to like do a random select. <laughs> I saw that on a lot of a lot of roadmaps. And wow. I was like, that's really like, odd. like NFT, like NFT giveaway kind of thing. Yeah. 
Yeah, that, that that they would literally like just give away a Tesla to somebody who owned their NFT to That's one crazy. owner. And and I was like, why is this a thing? Like, what what is that about? <laughs> and I, at first, at first, I had a little bit of oh my gosh, I I don't think that I would ever be able to sell enough NFTs to where I can literally pay for someone else to have a Tesla. I don't even know if I could pay for myself to have a Tesla with how many NFTs I could sell. And I'm thinking, how, how could that ever be possible? Why does, why does that need to be within the benchmark of success? And then I took a step back and I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. Let's come back to reality. I'm never going to run an NFT project Uh that is going to be based on, Hey, I want you to buy this thing so that you can be put in another raffle for this other shiny object thing <laughs> just to pump everybody's bags and pump my bags. And then I drive off in my fucking Lambo from the money I made from this project. It finally clicked. That's what was happening. It was yeah. just driving hype rather than actually, you know, giving back to a cause or yeah. spreading an important message to the world or helping serve right. people in in need or helping people learn and giving people resources. There are so many yeah. other things that you could actually be doing from the the back end of your NFT project as far as what you what you earn from that. Yeah. And it does not have to include some kind of ridiculous roadmap giveaway or even let's just say a non-executable roadmap. I saw a yeah. lot of audacious roadmaps and I was like, what is this? Yeah. Do you really think you're going to achieve all that in a year? Like that's silly. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, what's funny. Um, I heard Tom Billy talking about this on a podcast. It might've been the lucky trader podcast from my uh, good friend of mine, Danny Miranda. He's got a good NFT podcast. I don't know if you know who he is, but definitely someone to look up. Um, And uh, Tom Billy was talking about how, and well, and Gary V said this too, but how a lot of NFT projects are going to fail. Number one, because they're just going for money. Mm-hmm. The, the, they wanted to be get rich quick. Uh, and Tom Bill, you said it was because they, did, they didn't know how to run a business. And I think it's a little bit of both, but I really side with Gary on the fact that like, you know, and when I, when I was talking to people about the NFT community, I, I put this in my video that uh, people like the NFT community can smell BS. And that's why I haven't gotten involved in a lot of pro- projects like Gary V's and to- Tom Billy's projects and, and board API club and, artifacts like these projects are so successful because they really put the customer for like they put the token holder first they brought an insane amount of value um and they and they created a community like these one-off like the ones you're talking about these one-off projects are like it's gonna die real quick because you're not Mm -hmm. building a community and you don't and you're in it for the money yeah and And presenting your project in a way that attracts people who also were only interested in money. Right. Yeah, sure. You might real quick, but like, (laughs) that's not necessarily sustainable. Flash in the pan. Yep. And and then the minute that those floor boys see the numbers kind of, they're out, man. And then, and then they're on to the next thing. Yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah. Which is really sad. And that's kind of why, I mean, truth be told, like, you know, I have, you know, I, I'm always a hundred with people. I'm as a hundred as I can be. And so truth be told, a lot of these projects, I just don't have the money to pay for. But another reason I kind of like to just stay in the the shadows is because 
I really want to see the day when these the NFT application, that smart tr- contract application becomes available. Like, and there's a there's a really good use case for it in education. So I think NFTs could disrupt the education space quite a bit. Um, I think that like, it could like disrupt. in what way? Yeah, that's a great question. So the NFT space, I really feel like is going to open a lot of opportunities for jobs. And specifically in the learning space, being able to um, present education in a different in a different way. Like I'm not making a lot of sense because I don't have it all built out in my head, but I I'm I'm passionate about a few things in life. And one of them is disrupting education. Because like, okay, I have this, I have these thoughts in my head that I'm like, in 10 years, what are we gonna look back on today? So, you know, in 20. Uh, 34. What are we going to look back on in 2022 and be like, you guys were dumb, right? And I think one of them is we put kids in classrooms for eight hours a day, yeah, sitting on their butts, learning, learning from somebody talking at them, right? And I'm not saying that teachers are bad, and I'm not saying that any of that, right? I have tons of respect for teachers. I understand the the dynamic of underpaid, overworked, bad system. I get all of that, but Mm -hmm. that's a crazy thought. And so I don't know how yet, um, but I just have this little itch in the back of my head. That's like, it's going to be able to um, like disrupt that space somehow. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm high, but. No, (laughs) (laughs) if, if, if I were a betting woman, I would bet that the, NFTs are going to genuinely cause disruption in, in every industry. And the timeline yeah. of that is probably going to vary. Art right. was, was easy. Yes. And music yeah. is following very quickly behind that as yes. easy, easy to apply. There's yeah. not a whole lot of extra hoops that you have to jump through and all that kind of stuff. The education right industry it, that might take a bit longer because of all of the red tape regulation yeah, that you have to go yeah, through yeah. in order to achieve that. But I mean, that, mm. that doesn't mean that we should accept everything <laughs> as it currently is. Just yeah. Yeah. Right? And like, you know, and I could be blowing smoke too, but you know, somebody listen <laughs> to this, be like, dude, you're high, bro. There's no way. Right. And that's totally fine. Like I'm cool with being wrong, but I just think, um, that as we start to solidify the art and the music scene with NFTs, we're going to learn a lot about how this is going to work and how we can, uh, you know, and it's going to solidify it. So I, I'm really grateful that it's in the art and, and music space right now. Cause we can, cause people are happy. They're making money. They're getting ownership yeah. and we get to work out. We get to work out all the fluff in between. You know what I'm saying? It's but uh, because there's going to be a lot that, and, and and I'm also, you know, I say this to like, when I talk to like digital marketers and things like that, I go, uh, I go, look, I know what I, you know, I'm talking about something. Uh, I want my website to do this or something like that. And I go, bro. And I know fully well that I'm like, I'm saying this stuff and I have no clue what I'm talking about. So, <laughs> so just tell me, Dalton, that's, you know, Dalton, that's stupid. You can't do that. And I'll be like, all right, you win. <laughs> or like, what am I being unrealistic? <laughs> Yeah, look, I know. I know, I, I know. Yeah, I know. I'm not smart, man. You just need to tell me, and we'll figure it out. <laughs> so, um, so, but it's, but it's fun. And I really, I really thought it was cool. Um, all of your experience in the NFT space, all of your 
uh, knowledge in it. I mean, what's the biggest thing that you've learned from being in the NFT, especially as an artist, as a person who's actually creating and pushing out uh, creativity and content? The, the biggest thing that I've learned is something that I think I've already known, but mm-hmm. this helped put all of the pieces together for me. Yeah. Communication is the number one thing, no matter what you want to do. Yeah. Communication is so important. And the, the reason why I say that is one, NFTs that people own, they own for a reason. That is because one, it communicates to them something that they relate to. Two, their ownership of that asset communicates a part of who they are to the rest of the world. So Mm -hmm. communication and identity ties everything together. Mm -hmm. Period. Um, NFTs really helped solidify that message in my mind. That's something that has probably always been there, just a little bit dormant that I didn't tie tie the pieces together until just now. But yeah, that, that, that is the number one thing that people always want to communicate something about themselves. And when you can tap into that, when you're planning a project or thinking of ideas for a project, yeah, it's yeah. very tempting as an artist to think about yourself and think about what do I want to tell the world? What's important about my life? What's important about you? Right. But you're not creating art for yourself. This is very different than what most of the art world tells you. Okay. This is very different. This is my big, uh, my big hot take on art. But uh, if, if you were an artist who wants to make money off of your work Uh and also wants to make a difference in people's lives, it's not about you. It's about the people you're serving, just like any business. It is about Mm -hmm. your customer. It is about the people you're serving and being able to help them communicate what is important to them, communicate to their soul. And that's, that's what's at the middle of everything. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I teach the same thing, like when I'm talking about uh, sales, you know, I'm a sales coach and a sales trainer. And, um, my big thing with that as well is like, uh, you know, it's the cliche, like you have two ears and one mouth, so you should listen twice as much as you talk. Right. Exactly. Um, I, just, I try to say that a little differently because <laughs> I hate cliches, but it's true. They're accurate and they, they're, they're hundred percent true, but people brush over them. So you got to like force that lesson in a little differently, but yeah. absolutely. You know, and that's what makes a successful NFT project and anything, right? Is like, do you put the community first? Are you building a place where people want to stay? And are you building something that, you know, it doesn't have to last forever, but the relationships that are built in that community should. For sure. Yes. Forever. So, Mm -hmm. um, oh, absolutely. And you're talking, you know, and you've got a lot there, right? Uh, and I like, I like what you said about that too, you know, how NFTs really, and, and this is something that's, that's pretty beautiful about this space too, that you mentioned about how NFTs and this 
gave kind of like this creativity back to the artist. Like I can be creative and not hide behind something or not be, or, or share it with the world and not be afraid. Oh, excuse me. Um, and not be afraid to, uh, share it because somebody's going to take it or somebody's going to copy. Like now there's none of that. Right. You know what I'm saying? I released it as an NFT. So even if you take a screenshot of it, like we know it's not yours. Yep. Right? Can't be. Exactly. <laughs> so whew, that's awesome. But, um, you know, uh, Morgan, I really appreciate, you know, all of your insight on that for sure. I, I love that. And there was another thing you wanted to talk about that I want to dive into. Maybe we can wrap yeah. it up with this, but mindset, you know, you talk about my, so you, you know, you wanted to bring one of those things up. So I'm, I'm curious how you view mindset, how you keep your mindset strong, especially when it comes to like being a creative in the NFT world. I, I was first introduced to what the idea of mindset was. Okay. Uh, maybe, maybe about two years ago. And. Okay. So I, it, it is very relatively new, I guess you could say to my vocabulary, but <laughs> what's, what's so, what's so interesting is that I, I realized through that, through that revelation of, of me learning, what is mindset? What does that mean? How can I apply that to my life? What's mm. important about this? I realized that I had a huge, a huge problem with victim mentality for mm. the large majority of my life. Um, even, even into my adult life. And that, that obviously bled over into my, my confidence, my amount of confidence as an artist, and mm -hmm. even my potential belief of, do I think that I could ever make it? Do I think that I could ever be successful? Yeah. If, if I'm just telling myself these negative things all the time, like, oh, Morgan, you weren't born into money. You don't know the right people in the art world. Uh, even telling myself things like, you're not, you could never make money as an artist. Why, why are mm. you so unrealistic? Who are you to da, 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 da? Being introduced to mindset and that whole concept completely transformed me as a human being in, in yeah. the best way. I needed that so much. <laughs> I can only imagine, you know, and it's a, it's a cool thing. Like when people, and I said, so I said this a lot. I say one of my favorite things is like, and I don't remember where I heard it. Uh, so I'm definitely not coining this <laughs> because um, when you steal from one person, it's plagiarism. But if you steal from 10, it's called research. So this is from my research, <laughs> right? Um, but that excuses, uh, the worst part about excuses is that they're real and they're valid, right? Like, because I'm, I'm in a similar position as you grew up one of the poorest counties in Iowa. Um, you know, nobody was, you know, it, it, the highest was like, you know, maybe a lawyer or a doctor. And, and even then maybe they yeah. were just middle class. Like, but most of us were at or below the poverty line and, and lower middle class. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, you're like, what's a little farm boy from Iowa got to do, except we'll go work in a factory his whole life, get laid off in the winter from his construction job, go ahead over here, you know? Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, and you know what I learned is that they're all true. Yep, you did have a crappy childhood. You did raise, get, grow up poor, but you don't have to keep doing that, right? Yes. Like it sucks because it's real, but mm -hmm. 
you know, you can, you can change and it's difficult, but you can. Yeah. And, uh, that's a cool part about mindset, but tell me about your journey. Tell me about like, how was it for you? Because it, it's hard, right. To, to be like you, you know, to realize, to maybe have some self-awareness that you are in a victim mentality. And by the way, like, I want to be, I want to cater to kind of both sides because I know that there's some real things that go on in people's lives. Mm -hmm. But for you, what was it like coming out of that? Did you have to come to grips with a lot of things? Was it difficult? It, it wasn't, it wasn't difficult per se. Okay. Because I had already been through the difficult part. Okay. Most people have, who have gone through extremely hurtful or hard things in their life. If you're listening right now, I'm here to tell you that you've already gone through the hard shit. You've done it. <laughs> you can do this. You can do the mental work to get yourself to the other side of that, of that hump. You are not obligated yeah. to stay in that dark place just because something bad happened to you. Um, mm -hmm. You know, uh, obviously to, to spare from all of the details. Um, <laughs> sure, sure. Sure. Yeah. I mean, share as much or as little as you feel comfortable with. No, no, uh, no worries here. But, uh, but yeah, to, to spare some of the details um, in, in college, I had a very, uh, very unsolicited uh, sexual experience mm. that, uh, kind of broke me open yeah. and it also didn't help that that was my first ever sexual experience. So that was pretty awful. Um, that's so hard. Oh and and it, it kind of broke my identity as a person. I, I grew up in a very, very deep Christian values and held that as a part of who I am. Right. I mean, obviously it's still a part of who I am, but in that yeah. moment I was like, Oh my gosh, who am I? What am I? Uh, I'm broken. Nobody's ever going to want me. I'm useless. I'm terrible. Da, 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 da. Uh, I went through that mm. whole thing. Um, my most wonderful, amazing angel of a mom who is very intuitive could tell what, what was going on. And she helped me realize you know, obviously not just a terrible thing that happened, but also that uh, she helped me realize that I had been emotionally abused. And mm. I was like, oh, my gosh, now so many things make sense. And this is just like crazy to me. I I was so broken or I, mm -hmm. excuse me, I felt so broken to the point where I could not even look at people in the eyes anymore, which is mm -hmm. odd for me because I'm a very outspoken, goofy, bubbly, confident person. And I would say maybe a year after that, my mom died. Oh, my, literally my best friend. Right. And yeah. I, I don't share any of this to get mm. pity. I share this only for context because, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, everybody has their own dark places in life. And that is, kind of part of our human experience. Mm -hmm. But I used that as as an excuse almost to wallow 
and to be pitiful and to make other people feel sorry for me. I, mm-hmm. I did that for years. I felt sorry for myself. And I realized one day that that wasn't working for me. I was depressed. I had anxiety. I was like almost having anxiety attacks. And mm-hmm. I, I did medication for about a year and that helped me a little bit, but I, I still would barely get out of bed to do anything. Discovering mindset was the the biggest transformation in in my life, in my mental health, in my emotional regulation, and everything. Mm-hmm. It changed it changed wow. everything for my life. Well, first, thank you for sharing that story. Like I, you know, I I, I talk with a lot of people, and uh, I, and and it's a beautiful experience, and I'm and I'm uh, you know. So thank you. And, uh, and that's, I mean, what a, what an awesome story because it, it does. So for you, like you discover mindset, uh, what was the first thing you learned? Like, how did you discover, how did you stumble upon it? I think I stumbled upon that idea through Jordan okay. Peterson videos. Oh, no way. <laughs> I just love that's him. Awesome. <laughs> I, I found him randomly on my YouTube recommendations and I listened to one of his videos and I was like, wow, this, this guy, he, he gets me. He gets Mm -hmm. that life sucks. And sometimes things are, are terrible. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay. Like I can, he can kind of relate to what I'm going through here. I'll listen to him some more. And I went down the Jordan Peterson rabbit hole. And then that (laughs) branched off into like five other different, rabbit holes of learning about amazing people who are, you know, very brilliant and can help help you overcome a lot of the shitty stuff in your life that ended up leading me to Gary. That's, it's just like this crazy YouTube. (laughs) YouTube's powerful. Crazy YouTube rabbit hole that got me into all of these amazing discoveries in my life. Um, So I would say the, the first, the first, tool, I guess, that I got introduced to within the realm of mindset was being able to reframe. Mm, yeah. And that is, that is definitely powerful. my favorite tool. Uh-huh. Yeah. Powerful. Wow. I, I like that reframe. I learned about that. Uh, I, I didn't, I didn't, it wasn't called reframe when I learned about it, but you know, mm-hmm. you kind of connect the dots. Mine was, uh, but just about stories. And I heard it in that Buddhist it's a Buddhist uh, kind of way of thinking of like, you know, uh, you get if you get shot with an arrow, you know, there's two stories that you tell yourself. You tell yourself what really happened. You can tell yourself what really happened or you can tell yourself a story about why you got shot with the arrow. Right. Uh-huh. And it's like because getting shot with an arrow hurts. Like that's very painful. Mm-hmm. Um, but you but pain is getting <laughs> shot with an arrow. And suffering is tell you, telling yourself why you got shot with an arrow. Yes. Right. And uh, yeah. that's great. And, and then, you know, you learn about this, you know, you learn about, you know, um, what is, she's a wonderful Brene Brown. Yes. Um, oh, she's amazing. Brene Brown's amazing. Right. And she tells you that, you know, the story I'm telling myself is because the story we tell ourselves is always worse than the reality. And that's why, well, and to bring you back to the point, right. Um, that's why communication is so important. Because the story I'm telling myself is always worse than the reality. And if we get, and if we get to the reality, we can deal with it. Right. It's really hard mm-hmm. to deal with. 
you know, and I say yeah, story, we, not, not in like a fiction way, but you know what I'm saying? Like we tend to maybe catastrophize things, things like mm-hmm. that. Right. I mean, even, even the most simple stuff for everybody listening, I'm, I'm sure you've <laughs> done this before. I'm sure you've done this before where you had one task that you needed to do. <laughs> Something as simple as I need to wash my dishes. I need to, yeah. I need to clean my, I need to clean my room. I need to clean the bathroom. Yeah, yeah. I need to take out the trash. And then you go through this whole, this whole excuse party of like, oh, you know, uh, that that's, that's going to take too long. Or right. you come up with a list of five other things that you need to do. Or yeah. you tell yourself all the excuses of why you don't need to do that right now. Or you even yeah. blame your his significant other for not already doing it. They should have done it already. Um, yeah, of that, course. That's what we're talking about when we say telling yourself stories. Uh, right, you just, right, right, right. You, you just take what is potentially reality and then you add layers on top of that. Just in yeah. your own mind where you completely change your perception of what's going on. And yeah. and then you make some very simple task that could be five minutes turn into something that you expect is going to take an hour or you procrastinate for three days. <laughs> hey, and you know what's so funny about that? I totally and that that's so part of it is what I what I like teaching people. But if, if I'm doing like a business thing, right, it's like just start. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, just start. Like, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be yeah, crappy think- the first time. It's going to be dumb. But anyway, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Be- be- before I really knew what mindset was or anything like that, I actually did a challenge for myself. This was probably, okay. th- it was before, no, it was during COVID. Okay. This was maybe beginning <laughs> of 2020. I know. Oh, I just hate that our lives are going to be framed around. Was it pre or post COVID? Like pre or post COVID? Well, that's, that's our the new, <laughs> the new BC. That is the new normal. We were talking about the new normal. That's it right there. Was it pre or post COVID? Um, uh, yeah, you're right. Okay, but go ahead. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I I came up with a mental toughness challenge for myself. Oh wow! And I. I made myself do small tasks every day to increase my mental toughness and my mental capacity to handle pretty much anything that would come out at me during the day uh, from doing these smaller activities. So in the morning I would wake up and I would take a five minute cold shower. Like that. that, Cold showers are worse than ice baths. (laughs) It it was kind of rough, but like in comparison to the other stuff you go through that day. If that's the first thing you did when you woke up, you're like, I can do anything, whatever. But Uh, the first thing (laughs) I had to wake up on my alarm. First time it rang period, get out of bed, go straight to the five minute cold shower. And then, uh, I would not eat until I had been legitimately hungry for at least 15 minutes and drank a glass of water before I ate. I had to wait 15 minutes and drink a full glass of water. And then I would make sure that my dishes were always in the sink. Or, uh, my mm. dishes were always in the dishwasher and or clean before I went to sleep every day. If I broke any of those rules, 
then I had to start over from day one and I did it for a consecutive 30 days. Mm, wow. All right. So what'd you learn? Like, tell, tell me the awesome, all the good, bad, and the ugly, I guess. Well, I, I learned that most, most things, most small things like doing the dishes or putting your clothes where they belong or just tidying up the house, making my bed, all those small yeah. things I put on my checklist to do each day. Mm-hmm. I would, that, that's when it really clicked for me that perspective is everything because when I knew yeah. that I needed to accomplish those things, I did them as quickly as I could and they weren't a big deal and I got in the <laughs> habit of it and it was fine yes. and it was so easy <laughs> and simple. But if I did not have my mind on set on like, okay, I need to do these things before I go to sleep today. I would delay that and I would make it into something that was going to be 20 times more complicated. So that was what I, that was what I took away so, is that most things are not nearly as complicated or scary as you think they are. Yeah. Well, that's so awesome. <laughs> most things aren't as complicated or as scary as you think they are. And that's 100% true. Um, I think what people also get hung up on is this fact that they're afraid to, I call it, you know, it's called, I call it, I don't call it anything. I heard it called embrace the suck. Yeah. Right? Like it's just going to suck. Like my first 30 podcast episodes. And by the way, I paid a professional editor to edit my first like 30 podcasts. Uh, I, I didn't listen to one of them and I'd go back and listen to them. And it wasn't because my editors were sucky. It was because like I was sucky and my guests were beautiful. My, my, producer was great, but I wasn't good, but, but I was okay with like, when you're okay with that, like I got some crazy feedback when I started, you know, like, Hey, you need to do this. You need to do this. Like, maybe you shouldn't, maybe this isn't for you. Right. Or like, you know, yeah. people would be like, Hey, you know, you have a, you sure do podcasting is great for you because you got a face for podcasting. Right. Right. <laughs> but, but like, <laughs> but like all this crazy stuff, but it's all right because now we're, you know, now I'm however many, long and it's getting better every day and you just have fun and just start like, yeah, it's okay that it sucks at the beginning. You know, your first podcast is going to suck. Your first business is probably going to fail. Mm -hmm. You know, your first relationship might not turn out the best. You know, your first, you know, your first test, you're going to bomb. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like just, just, and by the way, I'd rather get it done sooner than later. You know what I'm saying? But, uh, Oh yes. Yes. <laughs> right. Every, every time that you, every time that you mentally are trying to avoid or delay the pain, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you are literally causing yourself more pain. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's all it just, is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. It's right, so yeah. much easier to just peel the bandaid off instead of sitting there agonizing with your hand on it. Like, do I want to peel it off? Do I want to peel it off? Right. Do I want to peel it off? Yeah. What a great, <laughs> just get rid of it. Yeah. It, it'll it. be fine. Just, You'll be okay. Okay. Move on. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and one of my favorite quotes there is just like, it's not going to kill you. You'll be all right. You know, you're, you're, you know, and, and what I, and so I like to have this. So I, I, I love, I love the stoic mindset. So I'm like very stoic in the way that I think. Um, and with that comes this idea, this practice of like premeditato malorum, which is, like the premeditation of evils. So it's almost this counterintuitive approach to mindset where like I expect 
like, so I'm in sales. So, so if I go into a, a sales conversation, I'm expecting them to say no to me. I'm expecting them to tell me that the price is too high, that they need to talk to their spouse, that they need to do these things. Because when they say it, I'm not surprised. Like, you know, they're like, ah, the price is too high. I go, okay, cool. I was actually expecting that. And sometimes I'll actually say that and kind of throw people off guard. You know, they'll be like, hey, I think the price is too high. I'm like, yeah, I totally understand, right? I figured you would say that. <laughs> they're like, well, what do you mean? <laughs> and then we, but then we can have a conversation and like skip all the games, right? Like, okay, thank yeah. you for telling me that. Now we can move forward, right? Because just like you said, though, right? It's easier to rip the Band-Aid off and deal with it than it is to slowly peel it off. So yeah. that's that's awesome that you got that. that and that's a, crazy, that's a crazy 30-day challenge, by the way. You should put that in a little... Just put that little package in. <laughs> do a, I be should. A <laughs> package that I, have, I, have, I have that as like the intro. And then I have like a more intense one for your, for your second round. <laughs> oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> we did, so, but I learned this cold showers are, are harder to do than ice baths. Like I've taken ice baths, you know, Right there. And, you know, five minutes is about the max that you, you, I mean, is all you really need. Like anything more than that is like, you know, there's no real significant gains for an ice bath okay. or a cold shower longer than five minutes. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it's like increments at, at that point. And so you get the most of it when, when you do five minutes, but I've taken an ice bath where you, where you go all the way up to your neck and I've taken cold showers and I would rather jump in an ice bath. Have like, you ever have you ever done the alternating one where you go to the hot chamber yes. and then you go to the Terrible. cold and the, oh. it's like temporary, I mean, it's for you. temporarily it's for terrible, but it feels great. I don't know how to explain it. it. Well, it's like, it's That's like 20 weird. minutes in a sauna, right? And then uh, yeah, five yeah, yeah. in an ice and then you go back. So 20 and five, cause it's not long either. Like you can, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Um, yeah, absolutely. So I don't know if you saw, I don't know if you saw the comment, but we'll read that one. Miss Bentley journey. Thank you, Morgan. I needed to hear that. Just a matter of ripping off the bandaid and fast. There you go. <laughs> yes, Love you it. can do it. <laughs> Just do Love it quick. It. Or you can yes. <laughs> That's right. It's a Mel Robbins. What is that? The five second rule of Mel Robbins. Yeah. I don't know if you, yeah. It's, it's a very, five, four, very three, two, similar. And, mm-hmm. But it's great. Like, and I, you know, and, and some people, and by the way, like anybody, any, any kind of coach or like any kind of real teacher will tell, like I tell people all the time, like if you're coming to me for sales, like that's great. Like, obviously I'm, I'm going to teach you everything I can, but don't let me be the only one. Like you should get your information from many different sources because yeah. you're going to find out that your voice, you know, you're, you like this guy's voice for this thing and you like this girl's voice for this thing. Right. And mm-hmm. you just kind of gather information. So um, it's really cool though. And I really appreciate your time, by the way, we, I lost track of time. <laughs> We're kind of over, but, um, but I'm grateful that you shared your experiences. I'm grateful that you talked to us all about NFTs and, uh, really appreciate it. So real quick, before we leave, where can people find your collections? How can they follow you and interact with you? Okay, perfect. So if, if you're curious about NFTs, my upcoming collection, which I will tease that a little bit, is uh, going to be coming Absolutely. next year, um, 2022. It has to deal with the power of fire, not just to destroy, but also as a ceremonious symbol of rebirth and rejuvenation and recreation. So that's going to be coming mm. early in 2022. 
you can follow me on Twitter. It's at Morgan Tanner ETH. That's ETH, uh, short for Ethereum. So Morgan Tanner ETH. And you can also follow me on Instagram at Morgan Tanner Art. That's where I have all my links for OpenSea. You can check out my NFTs that are available. Uh, even look at physical prints if that's what you're into. So Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for being here.